Moline turns 150 years old, but what's been lost? And the run with Carl continues as a lost life continues to help others thrive in the cities. A Labor Day weekend tradition will help another generation of students in the cities. Making sure Run With Carl is a success, that is coming up. But first, Moline is marking its sesquicentennial by celebrating what's old and what's new in the city. But what about what's lost? For decades, cities large and small turned their backs on some of the architecture that actually made their cities unique. Sometimes, due to neglect or expense, there was no choice. Other times, it was just easier to knock a building down than to save it. And still other times, historical significance of a building was simply ignored in the name of progress. Over the last 150 years, Moline has seen all three, and the Moline Preservation Society has tried to find a remedy to it. Preservation Society board member Barb Sandberg talked to us about what's been lost and what's been saved. So we're talking about Moline's 150th, the sesquicentennial, but let's be honest, the city's much older than that. That's just when it was incorporated. There's a lot of history in 150 years. There's a lot of history. And yes, you're, the, it was additional 50 years before we got to this point. Yeah. But during that time, it was pretty much a frontier town. And uh, they found it in 1848. They actually just, just got, you know, determined that it was a town in that point. But it had no leadership of any kind. It was just basically everybody for themselves, if you will. So 1848 was a good time to actually bring in the mayor oral type government. Uh, they were in desperate need of clean sanitation. They'd had a cholera epidemic and uh, cost 44 lives, I understand, in the historical records. So when John Deere got in there as the second mayor, uh, the, one of the first things he did was make sure that they covered the sewers. <laughs> we can't, hard to yeah. believe that that was open. But Back in that day, that was the way things went. So. Well, and back in that day, the city wasn't above the bluff. It wasn't above the hill. It was all right along the river, which I think a lot of people don't realize. Absolutely. In fact, uh, many of our homes, where the business district is now, the, a lot of the early homes were in that area, much like Rock Island is, mm -hmm. in the lower level there. But uh, it, after the 1900s, well, then that things all pretty much changed, and the housing went up on the bluffs and the industrial and the commercial stayed down below. And, and we really don't have that many signs of what life was like way back at the beginning down along the riverfront. I mean, even as you pointed out, uh, uh, deer and the industry and all those red brick buildings that were downtown, many of those are lost as well. Sadly, yes. Uh, some for a reason because of the change in the way manufacturing went. A Very lot of them so. came down at that particular era. Uh, but also because of the fact that there was a tremendous amount of traffic with trains. And now we're talking trains and we're in Iowa <laughs> a tremendous amount. And even on our own tracks here, we sometimes get delayed for trains. So a lot of the commerce that was down along the riverfront moved the other side of the railroad tracks. And that changed the development area down there considerably at that time frame. And when you think of Moline, I mean, it, it really does uh, generationally change. Um, as you were pointing out, you started off with housing and like an old west community, mm -hmm. uh, all wood buildings way back in, in the mid-1800s. Then you get into this industrial area where you have deer and you have these big brick monoliths all throughout the area. Then you had I-74 going downtown <laughs> and now you have this whole new renaissance. It, 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 we're talking about a new Moline for downtown, especially over the next 10, 15 years. 
It's important for the city not to turn its back on the history as well. Is Moline getting better at that? Yes and no. Um, when we look at the courthouse and all the scrambles of trying to save the courthouse, preservation is, it seems like it's always a struggle. Mm -hmm. Even though we proved that it, it's economically feasible, uh, had we lost the historic block, and there was a potential for that to become a great big uh, parking lot for the uh, Civic Center, or the Mark, as it was at the mm -hmm. time, uh, now we see the economic development has been so positive down there, but yet still we lost the collector center, and that was a very positive building at the time, but they said, no, if it's, uh, the building is down, an empty lot will sell much faster. That's been six years ago. Well, and there was also talk, <laughs> if I remember correctly, that they were going to turn the collector center into a boutique hotel. Um, so there were opportunities, they just never came to fruition. And that's got to be one of the biggest things as far as the preservation is, is concerned, is that the building also has to be viable. It can't just be a pretty piece of art. It has to be used in some ways or else there's a good chance it doesn't get saved. Well, we're looking at the Carnegie Library. Uh, very concerned that uh, that's sitting there vacant. Uh, the potential for that has so many opportunities. The uh, neighboring dispatch now has lost part of its building. The part where the big equipment is, was, the presses and the all, presses, has come yeah. down. Uh, we understood that. I mean, that, that there was really nothing much they could do with that as it stood. And the old building has all been covered <laughs> with other types of facade covering on it. So that's interesting to see what will be developed in that particular thing. But anyway, the Carnegie is one thing that we really want to see a positive change in, uh, hopefully in the next year or two. We've got that. Um, access Hotel right there across the street from it. Uh, surely we could make something that would be beneficial to both of those. Do you think that investors and developers and city officials now really do have a greater appreciation than they did like 25, when you first got started 20, 25, <laughs> 25 years ago? 25 years ago, that's right, that's true. Uh, they listen to us, uh, but they don't always do as we would like them to do and we would think is positive, but um, I do think that the mayor that we have now and our city administrator are very positive. They look, in, I think, in a positive manner to the economic development. The developers that come in, of course, always want parking. They have to have parking for housing especially. But there has to be some infill as well to try to make it more cohesive. We're talking about the new I-74 bridge and one of the things that was lost with the new I-74 bridge, the, 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 the old house was able to be saved. That was the good news. The Wilson House. The Wilson House, thank you, which was an absolutely beautiful house. Um, could not save the uh, train depot. Um, that was going to go to Western Illinois University. That fell through. It couldn't be moved to the west because the bridge was there. <laughs> so it was really locked into where it, was, where it was. Everything was lost but one thing. We managed to save, thanks to the, de the uh, people that were doing the demolition, uh, they asked us, they could see that we were very sad the morning we came down there to watch it all come down. They said, well, is there something that you would like us to save? And we looked at one another and we said, could you save the clock? That was an icon of the building, very, mm -hmm. very unique, and un it had decorative uh, stones around it. Uh, they're concrete, actually. They're not stone, but they're concrete pieces. And she said, well, I've got a lift, and I've got a chisel and a hammer. And she said, I think, uh, Casey was her name, and she says, I'll see if I can save it for you. And bless her, she did. She saved it for us. So we've had it in storage now for, what are we looking on to, several years, yeah. three or four years now. Uh, and we came, we've come up with a render, rendering now of what we would like to see incorporated with this salvage clock. Um, Mike McNeil and Carm Sinatra 
both volunteered their architectural expertise, and I think we've got a beautiful rendering now to put uh, together. So we've got a salvaged funding of $90,000 to go towards this. When we were unable to save the depot, the people that had generously contributed to our funding, we gave them a choice. Would you like your money back, or could we put it towards the restoration of the clock? Because we had that vision at the time, knowing that we had salvaged it. And 90% of them said, keep the money. Mm -hmm. So we are going forward on a $150,000 project with a $90,000 reserve, which is very, very, very good. And we're looking now positively at the somewhere close to the new I-74 bridge, possibly west of the Spiegel building. Mm -hmm. There's a green space there. Uh, it says Moline across the front, Boldy. Boldly lettered on there, and uh, we'll have a picture of the former depot incorporated in there and some history as well. So, and it'll be almost a welcoming sign. I mean, that's, I that's think what it can be great, and 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 then and that would be near where the depot was, you know, originally. So, I mean, th that that's kind of nice and symbolic as well. That's not the only big uh, um, building that's being saved, so to speak. There's also a, a school building that that's long forgotten, often neglected, that you're hoping has new life in Moline. The McKinley School, grade school, that sits up on the hillside off of Fifth Avenue and approximately 41st Street in Moline has a magnificent view of the Mississippi River Valley where it sits now. Um, it was sold from the schools when it closed to a gentleman who's owned it for over 20 years now. And he's used it mostly for storage and for his own pleasure, if you will. But he's had multiple difficulties with vagrants and vandals getting Vandals, in there. Right. Breaking windows, actually even bringing ladders and climbing on the roof. And the neighbors have constantly been calling the police, you know, of concerns because of danger for the, somebody getting hurt there. And then about a year and a half ago, they set fire inside of it in several different places. Uh, fortunately, again, the neighbors saw the smoke or smelled it, I'm not sure which, but anyway, the fire department got up there and the damage was minimal compared to what it could have been had nobody been aware of what was happening up there. So the city said, you know, they've been working with the gentleman over the years to try to help him secure it with lights and so forth and so on, but obviously that just was not working. And their suggestion was to sell, that for him to sell the property, and the city was reason, was had a very good interest in that property, so there was finally a legal agreement, and the city now does have ownership of the property. And that's huge because if the city has ownership, then the likelihood of it being torn down is, is diminished, but also the chance that you have a greater uh, input in how it will be used. What, what do you hope that building could be used for? Well, the neighbors that sit up on top of the hill um, were concerned when they heard sort of a back talking, you know, maybe we could tear down the school and put up a great big high-rise there, yeah. condominiums. And they all said, no, 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 no. Then those of us on top of the hill would completely lose our views and our quality of life would be changed right. completely on that. So there was a great meeting of, that was held with neighbors and the city officials and everybody agreed that no, that let's see, we can't do something with the school. And other schools have found that they can be adapted into housing. And certainly the view from up there would draw, I think, I don't, uh, you could put high level 
condos yeah. up there. Well, I mean, if you look at it, at the old Moline High School, they did that. They you did look that at Garfield there. and Moline, this, so that has happened. So you're feeling better, at least, from a historical well, perspective for the Well, considering that was my grade school, yes. There you go. <laughs> I have a personal interest in it, if you will. There's also a, uh, what used to be an athletic field down along parallel to Fifth Avenue that could be cleared. It's now overgrown, but an additional housing could be put down in that area as well. So I think there's a great potential. I think this, that also Allendale, no, I beg your pardon, uh, there was another school, the um, Manual Arts Building. This gentleman also owned that, and that's just above the city's uh, police station at what used to be oh. police station, fire station now, I guess it's totally I just a fire mean, station, yeah. on the hillside there. It was part of the old high school. Manual mm -hmm. arts was part of the training, and the students went over there for their additional training. Uh, this gentleman, like I said, has also owned that property, and the city has also acquired that as well. So we're looking for adaptive reuse of that building as well. Our thanks to Barb Sandberg, a member of the Moline Preservation Society, as we continue to look back at big moments in the city's sesquicentennial year. Our Laura Adams is also all about looking ahead, especially when it comes to the fun events that you can enjoy in the cities with your family and your friends. Here's Laura, Out and About. This is Out and About for August 26th through September 1st. Moline celebrates 150 years with a week of events through the 29th on River Drive in downtown Moline, while the Quad Cities Davenport Speedway World of Outlaws takes place through the 27th. Or be in the audience for RME's Live at Five Crooked Cactus on September 2nd. It's time for the World Series of Drag Racing at Cordova International Raceway through the 28th. And it's free family fun at Farm Days in the Village on the 27th starting at 10. Bishop Hill's 9th Annual Chautauqua in Village Park is on the 27th and 28th. And Ballet Quad Cities presents Ballet on the Lawn at the Outing Club on the 28th at 1 and 3. Vets on the River, the All Corvette Car Show in Leclerc takes place the 27th at 10.30, while the Milan Harvest Festival, a family-friendly event, runs September 1st through the 5th. The Mississippi Valley Blues Society Summer Concert Series present John Raish and Dog It Out at Quinlan Court on the 1st from 7 to 9. Thursday Night Groove at Schwebert Park present Wicked Liz and the Belly Swirls on the 1st at 7. On stage, Disaster the Musical continues to entertain at Circa 21. The comedy Leave in Iowa provides belly laughs at Richmond Hills Players in Geneseo through the 27th. And the Christmas Letter Writing Club at Playcrafters runs through the 28th. For more information, visit WQPT.org. Thank you, Laura. Jenny Lynn Stacy has kept herself out of the music scene for the past two years, but she just posted on Facebook that she thinks it's time to come back after a lot of time growing and working on herself. We already had caught up with her when she performed one of her originals at the Black Box Theater in Moline. So here's Jenny Lynn Stacy with Nothing to Lose.
Jenny Lynn Stacy with Nothing to Lose, performed at the Black Box Theater in downtown Moline. This Labor Day weekend, hundreds of people will lace their shoes and go for a run, but not just any run. It's the 28th year of the Run with Carl, named after the Pleasant Valley track athlete who was killed near the village of Davenport in a tragic incident outside a Civil War reenactment. For years, the run has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars for student athletes, and it continues to do so today. We talked with one of the organizers, Hannah Thompson, about the good that it does in the Quad City community. So this is gonna be the 28th run with Carl. I mean, it, it's, take me back and tell us about the legacy. Yes. Because it, it, it's a tragic story, but what a great outcome it's become. Yes, there's been a lot of, I think, beauty and a lot of silver linings that have come um, in the last 28 years. So after Carl's tragic passing um, in 1994, the Schillig family put together um, a race to memorialize him and his life, um, and they ran that race for 20 years. Um, it's always been at the Life Fitness Center, Labor Day weekend. It is, as far as I know, the longest standing Labor Day tradition in the Quad Cities, um, which we're super proud of and love to really like talk that up as sure. we are promoting the race. Because um, it's just a really fun, easy way to spend your Labor Day, whether you run or want to volunteer, because I myself am not a runner. So participating in any kind of way. Um, but it's been around, obviously, since the 20 years that the Schillig family participated in, and held and organized the race themselves. Um, and then PV and Bettendorf Foundations took it over. Um, and we're almost at the 10-year mark where PV and Bettendorf have been organizing it themselves. Um, and it's just had a really, I think, high level of impact within both foundations. Um, obviously, PV has a very large scholarship program. Bettendorf has a scholarship program, but also an innovative grant program. Um, so there's just lots of opportunities that this money gets divvy, divvied up and um, used to help promote um, goodness in students and to show that they can give back to their community and that they're supported um, by the money that's raised by well, Run With Carl. Correct me if I'm wrong in regards to the scholarship mm -hmm. program. It's not just like one scholarship year. Right. This follows a student for four years. Yep. That's incredible. Yes, they have to, to apply for the scholarship. I, I believe they have to maintain a particular GPA, be involved in band or choir or particularly running, obviously, because Carl was a runner um, and it was involved in his community in a variety of other ways, too. Um, so the Schilligs were very passionate about this being a highly impactful scholarship. So the student who is awarded the scholarship each year gets $1,000 for their four years um, at their university or college of choice. Um, and they have to you know, maintain contact with the Schilligs and with the foundation to give them an update how they're doing. Um, but every scholarship winner that I know when I was in high school at PV 
It was an avid runner that won the scholarship. She went to, the, to um, Iowa State University and still runs to this day and is very passionate about giving back to her community. So I know it's made a, a big impact on all the students that have received it. And I was going to ask you if you yeah. knew of any success stories. Because, yes. I mean, there's, you, you hear that the money is going to certain students or that it is mm -hmm. a scholarship program, but you never hear anything after that. Yes, absolutely. I would say there are, I mean, the scholarship obviously has been going for almost 30 years. So, I mean, there are countless stories, um, but our favorite one is um, Jeff Paul, who was actually the first recipient of the Run With Carl Scholarship. He was a classmate of Carl's, um, same graduating year, and he was the first winner. Um, since that, he ran in college, I believe. He is now a PB junior high teacher, um, and he comes to every Run With Carl. I don't know that he has missed one yet, and if he has, it's been very few. He's kind of our, our big inspiration story because he's Carl's age, Mm -hmm. He is still in the community, has a positive impact on students, both in the classroom and on the track while running, things of that nature. Um, he's, a, he's a really good example of that success. Well, add to that is that it's also a, a coming together of the community. And, and to have a community member who is still in the community, yes. that seems to speak well as, as well. And yep. we're talking about more than just one race. you got a five mile, mm -hmm. you have a 5K, yes. you do have a kids fun run. We do. So there's a lot of different opportunities. Yes, it is a very, very fun and full morning. Um, as you just mentioned, we have the different race types. Um, our favorite is obviously the kids' half-mile run. They sure. do up and back on, uh, on Middle Road, and it's a blast. They're all very competitive and sprinting their little hearts out. Um, but yes, for all types of runners, if you like 5Ks, we've got that option, a five-mile run. Um, for those who like a little bit longer distance, if you've got littles that you want to push in the stroller, we love that too. Just kind of a, a whole very family-friendly event. Tell me about uh, not only the event, but the need for volunteers. Because yes. any organization can only survive with the volunteers that come out to help. Absolutely. It's a big day, like I've said. Um, so we typically have about 100 volunteers that we need, you know, whether that be packet pickup on the couple days beforehand, race control, water stops, food, handing out after the race um, to those who are back in the parking lot at the Life Fitness Center. It's a, it's a pretty big ordeal. Um, so we are absolutely looking for community volunteers who are maybe a little bit less uh, running minded, sure. but still want to do some good on their Labor Day. It's not very much time. We start pretty early around 7.30 in the morning, and typically you'll be done and out of there before 10 o'clock um, because the people who win the 5K and 5 mile are speedy yeah. and will get done very quickly. So um, we absolutely, community assistance is what we need to make it go off without a hitch. As you well pointed out, I mean, the Schilling family was very actively involved, organized it, but then it just got to be, as you said, 20 years, mm -hmm. and it became bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and, it, and it was great that, because uh, there was a fear that the race was going to be lost, mm -hmm. and then PV and Bettendorf joining forces to make yes. sure that it does continue. Yeah. But it is important to point out, as you mentioned, is that the Schilling family is still involved, yes. and also that uh, um, in so many different ways, the people that receive these scholarships still have some kind of contact with the family. Absolutely, yes, they do. Um, and we cherish the involvement of the Schillig family. They're wonderful people, and have always they always support us. They're always commenting on things on social media, and they attend meetings with us. Um, they are really, truly, you know, salt of the earth, really lovely folks. Um, and it's all of our pleasures. I think anybody, you know, I used to work for Pleasant Valley, so I was more tied to the race um, in a kind of job duty way. But even not working there anymore, it's still something I'm passionate about because they're just wonderful people, and you want to help carry on Carl's legacy. Well, and as you pointed out, it's not only scholarships, but there's mm -hmm. also this innovative classroom grants. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that, because it is kind of neat that uh, 
you're helping students and their future, mm -hmm. but you're also helping teachers right now. Yes, absolutely. So scholarship portion of the funding that we do for Run with Carl is just that. It's helping students in their next steps with their education and what they want to pursue for their futures. Um, but we are also super happy and proud to provide funding for the Innovative Grant Program through the Benton North Community Foundation, um, Benton North Community Schools Foundation, where they are um, providing opportunities for teachers to apply for grants um, to get additional and extended learning opportunities for their students in the classroom right now. Um, it's, a, it's a really great way to provide just a little bit of extra that maybe the district you know, doesn't have the additional funding for and different things like that. So it's a, we're really proud to be part of that as well. Let's talk about registration then. Yes. Because once again, the, the kids run starts, I believe, at 745. Mm -hmm. What do you suggest to people as far as registration in advance and okay. getting their day of? Yes, you will save some money if you register in advance. Um, all of our registration, whether it be for the runs or for volunteering, is through our website, which is runwithcarl.com. We try to keep it easy Very for everybody. Easy. Mm -hmm. um, so we will be there all morning. Um, registration right now is running, I believe it's at 35 bucks right now, still for the 5K and 5 mile, and then kids run registration is only $10. Um, so we try to make it as affordable as we can for families to participate uh, with everybody. You know, we want, the, we want the whole family to come out, grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, siblings, yeah. whoever wants to come. And if you don't feel like running, volunteer with us. And if you don't feel like anything, just come and hang out with us. We'd love to have as many people there as possible. Run with Carl is September 5th outside the Life Fitness Center in Bettendorf. The kids run starts at 745. And you can register for the runs and get any information that you want by simply going to runwithcarl.com. On the air, on the radio, on the web, on your mobile device, and streaming on your computer, thanks for taking some time to join us as we talk about the issues on the series.